Hello, and welcome to Manga Explaining. <laughs> Jesus this Christ. recommend great manga. You <laughs> haven't read much manga before. <laughs> la, 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 la. Hosted by Dev Aoki, David Brothers, Chip Zdarsky, and myself, Christopher Butcher. Follow along with our show notes and reading list at mangasplaining.com and our new publishing endeavor, mangasplainingextra.com. Last week, Chip called me out for saying hello and welcome to Manga Explaining. And this week, I'm going for it. Pure <laughs> sign. It wasn't a call out. I appreciate that. <laughs> Call out. I liked it. Giving it back to you 120% there. I actually just edited that part and it was kind of a compliment. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it was a compliment. <laughs> I'm very sensitive. Yeah. We're talking for, about it in therapy next week. Okay. Yeah. For Chris, a criticism is a criticism and a compliment is a criticism. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, well, that's every week in therapy. Yeah. <laughs> this week. We don't have a book to talk about. We have all the books to talk about. We're we're wrapping up manga explaining season two. Very artificial designation that we are probably going to sort of drop with season three. We'll see. I thought about like season two, episode one. That's kind of how it's numbered in the apps. But we just keep numbering the episodes. This is episode 51. Next week will be episode 52 or next episode will be episode 52. Thanks <laughs> for <laughs> indulging in our experiment. We are figuring out podcasts. As we go, uh, I was just—I was just gonna say, as a Marvel writer, I'm <laughs> sick of these constant reboots and new number ones. I think that's fair, but they always work. Is the thing. I know, I know. <laughs> Diminishing returns, though. Come on, <laughs> I mean, it's not bad for me, but <laughs> Daredevil one in stores in May. I, I like the construct of seasons because it gives us an excuse to do this. <laughs> you know, like it, doing a season it gives us a chance to pause and reflect, like we are now. I don't think that's bad. Mm, yeah. And the website person in me says that this will make it much easier for me to put an archive together. <laughs> <laughs> She's got a point. Yep. Yeah. The trade paperback is going to be real clean because we've done it this way. <laughs> season, season two for me personally, and I would love to hear all your thoughts. This season was marked by fewer introductions of entirely new ideas and kinds of manga and more trying to drill down into things that Chip would appreciate as a reader. You know, obviously, still trying to, like, we did our first BL episode. We did our first classic manga. We did a couple of other firsts this season. I really thought we we were, like, digging down to see if there was there was stuff, you know, from the past or stuff in new genres that, that Chip might like. What did you feel about this season overall? Do you have any big thoughts about the last Honestly, since June, it seems like time's flown. Pretty I mean, quick. as the person that you're all trying to please, I, I feel like you no longer have to <laughs> attempt to please me. <laughs> I thought it was punished this whole time. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, Chris is punished. How are we doing, by the way, on, on that on that pleasing business? <laughs> are we kind of like, uh, what's our batting average here? A, a, a lot of the titles were like, have become like kind of my all-time favorites. So I, I think... I think you succeeded. Yeah. A little crazy. Listening to you talk about Akira last week, I it's weird because I've known you for a really long time, mm-hmm. and I was shocked by how much you liked Akira. I was really shocked by how much you liked Akira. <laughs> What's not to love, though? <laughs> no, I was mm. not surprised that... I was surprised that Chip loved it, but it also makes perfect sense, I think, because yeah, okay. what, he and, what he and I... What Chip and I enjoy are so similar, kind of in the same ballpark. Yep. And I have such affection for this that he almost had to love it or else we wouldn't be friends anymore. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> wow, dodge that bullet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, fair. You know, it's more the like the signifiers, like the action scenes, the approach to storytelling, the the care in the storytelling, I think especially, is so apparent in volume three. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. he's got all of the introduction stuff out of the way and he can just kind of hit the ground running. Yeah. Mm. I probably should have said this in the last episode, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, last time we recorded these back to back, so <laughs> it kind of was the same episode. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe someone will listen to it that way again. That'll be good. Yeah. We did take a week break, by the way, since since the last episode. Yeah, I was going through the list and I was trying to think. I know there was one book that David recommended that Chip actually didn't like. And I can't remember which one. It, I think it was Gun on the Origin was the one that really did it for you. And that was the one where Chip was sort of found it to be a miss. Mm-hmm. Oh. And it was interesting because you guys do tend to have uh, tastes that integrate really well with one another. So I was curious uh, about that. Uh, just listening, looking back at all the show notes and things like that. It was like origin left out. As Once one. in a while, David can be wrong. <laughs> it's fair. Yeah. <laughs> only, only rarely. Yeah. But no, I think that there's also like from the mecha aspect, like I'm kind of drowning in robot material. Right now, let's say. <laughs> oh, that so sounds disgusting. Kind of the origin. Yeah, it really does. As I was saying it, I was like, anything, don't finish this word. But, you know, like, manga, anime, model kits, conversations. Yeah. So I'm kind of primed for Gundam in a way. And, like, I grew up with mm. giant robots probably in a way that Chip didn't. So mm. that's another one where the parts that he liked, I was like, also no big surprise. Like, it's the storytelling. It's, like, the approach to how they do the violence, the character design, the way it's, like, not boring, you know? Yeah. I think goes a long way. Mm. I don't mean not boring is like damning with faint praise, but like not boring. Yeah. Like for real, this is a good book. Like you can keep turning pages. Yeah. Mm. It's the, the thing that struck me about Gundam Origin is it has all the hallmarks of like an actual piece of literature and it pulled it further and further away from, and you know, obviously simplified because it's adapting a children's cartoon from 1978 or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's, pulls it away from manga in that way you know what i mean like it's the manga aspects of it are um i don't know i'm someone smarter than me is going to write or i'll find the thing that they've already written probably and publish it about like what manga does and like the immediacy of manga and why it works like why it like comics like the gaps between panels like what it triggers in your brain to fill in the gaps to fill in motion and, and movement and you know all the mccloudian kind of shit but yeah it's that one was really interesting to me because it was less about manga and more as about him as, as like really interesting storyteller. Mm-hmm. The way he drew the RX seventy eight is really beautiful, and that one panel that I made the <laughs> the, the like the, the the image for the the episode. Well, it's an example of something kind of rare that's not super common in ma- manga, right? Whereas the anime came first, and then the manga came mm. second. And I think Evangelion is that. And what's the other one? Uh, Nausicaa? No, well, Nausicaa is interesting, right? Because it's both not like the movie and like it. Akira is kind of the same thing, too, where it's like the anime kind of has like this very tangential relationship to the manga. <laughs> like mm. story-wise, like like at a certain point, it, it completely diverges. Mm. But So that's, mm, you know, that's kind of an interesting thing with Gundam, right? Because I didn't like watch the Gundam the early Gundam anime enough or at a certain age to feel this affection for it to to what to have read the manga and thought oh wait this is this different I, yeah. I instead like it was you know I'm an adult and I'm reading the manga and watching watch the anime around the same time and I thought oh 
the manga's way better. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, my Gundam sickness has got to the point where like I even wrote a little bit of fan fiction for the first time in years. Oh, just to wow. get like, a thought out of my head about like the franchise as a whole. But the like the way we were talking about Gundam just now is also kind of how I was looking at Shoujo and Jose manga this season. Mm. Like okay. finding the pieces that fit together, finding recognizing like the bits that work that are tropes. Like learning what to look at, I guess. Mm. Mm. And that's been part of the fun of the podcast is seeing what Chip focuses on, what he's kind of zeroed in on as the important parts of manga or like the significant parts to him versus, you know, what kind of I've taken on, what Deb's taken on, what Chris has taken on. We all have such different points of view, but they kind of all come from the similar place of like, I like this aspect a whole lot, Mm -hmm. you know? I will say that Chip's comments has made me really appreciate Akiko Higashimura's craft as a storyteller. Yeah. Like, mm. I-, I thought, oh, you know, I like this manga. This is good. Or like, wow, these are fun, you know. But the way that you were so enthusiastic about Blank Canvas and Tokyo Tarebukos and, and how you articulated what you liked about it, being like, yeah, she's good, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there's something special about it, that how she does it. The manga splained has become the manga splainer. Mm. It's true. It's true. I remember a thing I said a couple episodes ago that David, you were kind of surprised by that was like, I actually try to read these manga, not like they're like, I try to read a lot of the manga that we do as entertainment yeah. rather than it was for the blood red boy episode, uh, rather than reading them as like, got to put my thinking hat, read my alternative manga, <laughs> come up with literary illusions, kind of, kind of stuff in. And the first time I read Tokyo Terareba girls, which was before the podcast. And I loved it so much that I, was compelled to stop reading the physical ones, switch to digital because only the digital was out and finish it just like our friendship did who read manga of his own free will this year for the very first time. <laughs> it's true. Unassigned manga. <laughs> Extra credit. I feel like I get a prize for that one. Extra credit. Extra credit for that. The second time reading through and talking to y'all, I actually did turn on my critic brain looking at how the stories were constructed in a different way. Mm. And it's, that's because it's one of the one of the few series this, this season that I had read before I recommended it for the, the the podcast or had read recently before I recommended it for the podcast. I think it's there's a lot of different ways to read manga. There's a lot of different ways to read manga, and I think that in as much as we are <laughs> experts now who recommend this stuff to people, I think it is interesting to see the comments on all the social media and on the manga planning website of what different people take from the manga that we also read mm. and, and how different their perspective can be. So mm-hmm. that's probably been one of the most interesting things is, you know, going through and approving all of the WordPress comments every week and being like, whoa, really? I really appreciate the commenters, but yeah, some people's takes are like, I, I would never pull that out of a manga that we read, but that's kind of, you know, that's kind of all literature. Right? That, that's what's good about Does it. Does anything stand out to you as like a comment that like really like wowed you? Like, <laughs> the one that actually stands out and I don't want to call anybody out because it's not cool, but someone posted a bunch of stuff that was like, uh, maybe Akiko Higashimura has some outdated ideas about love and relationships and men and women's roles and things like that. And look at this link and look at this link. And oh. it's like, it doesn't affect my, it, it doesn't affect my opinion of her work. It does maybe me make me think, oh, that's why that one didn't get licensed or that's why that one folded after three volumes. Like <laughs> even in Japan, she received pushback on a book. I think creators can have, you know, not great takes, but it doesn't lessen my enjoyment of their books. But it is like there are people out there who are reading along with us who are like, man, I can't read. I don't want to read her stuff anymore. She thinks that men should work and women shouldn't work, which is kind of a 
very very big simplification but you yeah, can see it on also, the comment i refuse board. to work so <laughs> yeah I don't like that at all like if i could not work that would be delightful <laughs> there we are She's yeah, so prolific, and she's put out so much work that that's a very funny <laughs> take. Also, I, I will add that with Tokyo Terrible Girls, I stopped reading the stuff at the back as I kind of went through because I I found the stuff at the back. She does get mean there, right? yeah, answering <laughs> reader questions or whatever. I'm just like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm not really jiving with a lot of her comments here. So yeah, it felt uh, extraneous mm-hmm. and could harm the reading of the material. Yeah, and I felt that way maybe as well. Did David, did uh, Deb, did you guys read actually all that material that was at the back? Like I couldn't not read it. I was too compelled, but I'm curious. Yeah, I did. I, but also, like I love curb your enthusiasm, man. When people are mean, <laughs> it's like the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I get it. I get but what it. if curb your enthusiasm was real people? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some were easier to read than others. Like the one where she calls out her friend. Mm. Yeah. yeah that's funny why yes manga artist blah 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 friend yeah that was great or some of them are fun but then sometimes the letters like some of the letters she printed were just like teeny tiny text and way too long yeah and mm. then it was like oh dude this is too much you know? by volume six and <laughs> seven book i'd read a book <laughs> yeah it was like it wasn't really interesting problems it was just people crying <laughs> you know <laughs> like like oh romance sucks sob cry 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 and it's like yeah i know i know i know but yeah get <laughs> get over yourselves you're not the only people dealing with this shit you know and so i would but part of me like was like pretty like why why'd she pick those letters you know instead of something mm. more fun and interesting for other people to read about i can see how that could happen though because like when Matt and I were doing sex criminals, mm. like the first few issues, the reader mail was a lot of fun, sex jokey kind of stuff. But the farther you go and the more the series kind of delves into relationships, it becomes like all the letters are just like, there was a lot of trauma happening on our letters page and Matt handled it quite well. And I was very happy that he was the writer and I was mm. the artist in those moments. So I think as a series like that progresses, you tend to get kind of like, deeper maybe a bit more not upsetting but like harder harder questions to answer real yeah real Mm. Mm. on sex criminals did knowing that the audience was responding like that did that change the work change your craft at all not me (laughs) but for sure (laughs) for sure matt i mean matt kind of changed the book as we kind of went through just because he didn't know what else to kind of do with the premise. So it became a bit more about his kind of like mental state and relationships. For me, it was just a matter of mm-hmm. making sure I didn't put uh, dumb dick jokes in the background of the more emotionally resonant scenes. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Good. Good stuff. I love it. <laughs> I'll go out on a limb and say as well, that's like, that's one that, that sticks with me because it's like, yeah, we don't always know a lot about the lives of the mangaka in the manga that we're reading less, much less so than in North American comics where everyone has to be on Twitter promoting their stuff 24 hours a day. So I try to keep that in mind, but I, you know, I have nothing but praise, but for the work that I've read by Higa Shimura. So, yeah. you know, what are you going to do <laughs> until we start learning? So we start going to Japan and hanging out with them. But I will say that like, um, Erica Friedman, for example, is a, a regular commenter and she comes from a place of like manga scholarship about yuri and shoujo and history and things like that her comments sort of look at what we're talking about through that lens there's a fellow named miguel corti who's like a regular commenter as well 
and he lives in Japan right now. And so for him, he's looking at things through the Japanese lens of like what he picks up and reading a little bit of Japanese or reading from what I could tell a good amount of Japanese actually, and talking about the same stuff that we talk about, but from a perspective of someone who's lived in Japan for a number of years Mm. or frequent commenter, Eric Henwood Greer, who looks at everything through like a classic shoujo lens and is typing literal essays in the comments <laughs> yeah, it's really good. of every wow. single post <laughs> since he discovered the podcast, which is like incredible. There's so much extra information in the comments section on the website. Now it's, it's crazy. And people are just doing this because they are as ex- like, we joke about the ads that we run and stuff like that. But I think our grand total is like <laughs> from, from not counting the Viz sponsorships is like, Dynamic ad insertion accounts for like $150 since the start of the podcaster. Pretty good. And these people are like, yeah, I'm going to come and write for three hours in the comment <laughs> section of your blog every week just because I'm as passionate about manga as you guys who are doing the podcast are. That's that's awesome. Like, that's the kind of thing where it's like, wow, you have a totally different perspective on what is going on in the manga that we're reading that comes from your life experience, what you like about manga, things that you've read that we couldn't possibly have read or because you can't read everything. We've got some great recommendations from our readers, like the ones that say, don't, um, don't stop at chapter five of Don Don. Go to eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really important. That was a good one. Someone said that about Ajahn Demihuman. Oh, I have we, to go back yeah, and I just saw that. really fast to see if they're right or not. <laughs> yeah, someone was begging you to, to read Ajahn one and two instead of just number one, because it really kicks into gear, apparently, in volume two. So. There is. I know... And I'll send you guys an email. This is Mong explaining logistics here, but I'll send you an email with the action scene I think they're talking about. And if it oh. if it works for you, you should keep reading to volume two. Mm, I trust okay. you. But I bet I know the exact panel that they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to read Birds of Shangri-La one and two, because two is when it really, the, the drama and the backstory really cranks up. And it gets, mm-hmm. for me, it took it to the next level. But at the same time, I'm also really conscious of making Chip read more than he wants to you know that I, that's I the know. fun dance of the show i think that's the fun dance of the show i know you're a busy that's guy a so i want to respect that so i'm going to put it out there as extra credit if 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 volume one grabs you go read volume two if volume one doesn't grab you totally okay for you i'm sure I've, i'm sure i've mentioned it before the idea that i have uh, emotional short-term memory so the fact that like i haven't read i don't know that you have actually that's Oh, didn't did, did I not tell you guys this? What? No, no. So it's it's no. it's my theory with with comic artists, especially, which is that when when you're working on a comic, it's the hardest thing in the world, and by the end of it, you swear you'll never do it again. And then like a week or two goes by, and you get a new script, and he's like, "Oh, this would be fun," because you you have emotional <laughs> short term memory. You can't remember the feeling of a thing, so you make the poor decision again. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm convinced that almost yeah. every comic it's artist has freelance this. career. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it's exactly <laughs> it. It's why it's why we continue to do these things over and over again. So the fact that like the last week or like week two weeks, I guess just a week, I haven't read new manga because this is the recap uh, episode means I've forgotten what it's like to have mm-hmm. to read yeah. too much manga. So as soon as Deb said that, I'm just like, yeah, of course I'll read two volumes. <laughs> like why wouldn't I? So it's a good time to mention I it. I love this because at work recently, at work last year, I had this really difficult, like complex, detailed project mm-hmm. and they want to do it again. And my boss brought it to me very gently. And when I was like, yeah, I think we could do it. She was actually surprised. <laughs> that I was like not traumatized. From it. Yeah. <laughs> Same page. Yeah. 
That's a hundred percent it. That's kind of like me and Burning Man, man. Like I need, like I went, I went one time. It was miserable because it was rainy and muddy and yucky and dusty and all this hot stuff. But so I had to wait four more years until someone could convince me to go back again. Because yeah. by then I had forgotten all, just how I knew, I remembered how miserable I was, but yeah. I forgot how miserable. <laughs> <laughs> and it was better, but, but, you know, it's one of those things, right? Like you, there's some things you just can't do again and again and again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Part of me though, feels like it's fine if we read a volume one and we all bounce off it mm. because like mm. no one necessarily deserves a volume two. That sounds meaner mm. than I want to phrase it. Yeah. I Nothing works it is meaner everybody. than you want to phrase it. Because I know you do think, uh, like, I know that you feel like you want to give creators a shake. And I also know you feel like book packaging is an artificial construct in between yeah. giving a creator a shake and what the creator is intending and what the reader gets out of it, too. So, yeah, I'll say for a context statement. of this, I've bought dozens of volumes of series I don't like to get to the part where they get good. So, like, I don't mean this <laughs> in like a cruel way. But there's some <laughs> yeah. series that just aren't going to work for you. And there's some series that might work for you in the long term. But volume one is like so not your bag that it just turns you off. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to like be honest about that stuff or to like mm-hmm. when it happens to actually just let it happen. Yeah. Like hmm. digital manga has ruined my life. <laughs> Why so? But I've also, you know, found a lot of interesting series by wow. sticking with stuff because I found like a $2 sale or something like that. That's true. There's a bunch of things on Comixology Unlimited that I was glad I didn't have to individually shell out money for, but because mm-hmm. I could, <laughs> I could just read it on, on a jet, like get someone, like someone dumping a long box on my front door and I paid nothing for it. And I could just sit there and binge read stuff. Yeah, That's kind of what yeah. it feels like. Like we've talked a fair amount about, or I guess I've talked a fair amount about Bleach on this podcast because I love it. But there was a point where I quit reading it because like, it wasn't very good. It just wasn't, you know, I was reading several volumes. I was like, there's one good chapter in each volume and that's not enough for me anymore. But because I had the Shonen Jump membership, you know, years later, I could check in every now and again. I realized I was checking in more and more often because the drawings were getting like awesomer and awesomer over (laughs) the years. And then suddenly I was reading it again. And that's an awesome experience to have, but it's also not the norm. Most people, when they quit something, like they just quit it. Like no big yeah. deal. Yeah. But because my sick brain made me into a critic. <laughs> well, that happened for me with Delicious and Dungeon, right? Like I, I read the first three volumes. I thought, oh, this is charming little cooking manga about with a, with a D&D vibe. And it was your recommendation mm-hmm. that turned me on to the fact that it actually gets more of a plot than that. Yeah. Mm. Later on. And I wouldn't have known that until you told me that. Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't know about emotional short term memory, but I think this season more than the first season, we started this podcast a year ago, give or take this week. And we had been recording for about three weeks before. So it was still like the darkest part of pandemic times. You know what I mean? Mm. And my headspace when we started this podcast and reading stuff then versus looking back at it now it's like yeah i don't know why i had like why wave listened to me just like crashed on my shores and did not like i did not enjoy it because it has everything i like and even you were all like are you sure because it has everything you like like in the episode (laughs) and it just did not register like it did not register with me and i've since had conversations with like you guys and people like derek hey shout out to derek that are that are like 
but this. And I'm like, yeah, that actually sounds great or that really works. And it's like, yeah, maybe, maybe the larger point I was trying to get at with the, with the commenter stuff as well. And maybe I'm just working this out on air <laughs> is you can't always like, you're not consistent. You're not as a person always going to feel the same thing day, about it. Famous, feel the same way about the same thing day to day. You're going to have a bad day or a good day. You're going to have read, read something that reminds you of a bad you know, email you got or a fight you had or not being able to go outside because of the pandemic and it's not going to hit. And I think that that's one of the things this season is like, I look back at the 25 books, well, 29 with the, the blind dates and the multiples that we covered this season. And I have a much more even feeling about them, like good to even, mm-hmm. whereas there's a bunch of books in the first season that felt a lot more at the time, like real misses to me. Do you guys feel the same way? Or is this, do you have a feeling like that? I, I overanalyze everything. So I don't even know if you guys are thinking about seasons in this way, but yeah, I looked, I just looked back at the last 50 books on the, on the website and it's like, yeah, there were a lot of ones in season one where I was the spoiler. And in season two, it was just like, ah, this is really well done. It's just maybe not my favorite thing. And that's a very different, very different take. I, maybe you got so, I don't know, like, of course mood matters, right? Like, like I probably went into Nausicaa pretty cranky because it's like, I, there's no way I'm going to read all this. Oh, and I, I was like in the middle of this really big freelance work crunch and it, it you know, and the density of it irritated me. <laughs> and, and maybe I would have been more generous if I wasn't in that space, right? So I, I went know. into Nausicaa wanting it to be a great comic. <laughs> I kid, I kid. The reason Nausicaa has the most comment, <laughs> comment section on WordPress. Oh, it doesn't? Okay, <laughs> good, to, good to know. I can avoid it. I kid, I kid. It's a classic. <laughs> But it's interesting how people took the Nazca episode kind of personally in a way. Yeah. And not in a bad way, but like it was too close to home for some people, which is totally cool. I totally get that. But I like, I think because of how I read comic books, it's almost not about good or bad. You know, it's almost like what did it do well and what did it do poorly? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that those are two kind of different conversations for me in a lot of ways. Because in a lot of our episodes, like it's almost not like, is this good or bad? Like it's almost taken for granted that it's good. And like, we sound guilty about disliking things all the time. Like literally every episode. Well, because it's it's something that we all, that someone, one of us recommended thinking that the others would like it. And then when you admit to the others, like, uh, it didn't didn't do it for me. You feel like, Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) I know you, I know you cared and you, you liked it enough to bring it to us, but Oh, you know, just somehow, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) I should say, actually, for just in pure stats, Nausicaa, Devilman, and Mobile Suit Gundam are all really close in the number of comments that they have on them. But I think Devilman and Gundam have a lot of, like, trackbacks from being linked to other places, where Nausicaa, the comment section, is just pure comments, like, multiple, like, 500-word essays (laughs) in the comments (laughs) about Nausicaa, pro and con. Like, it's not... Oh, really? That surprises wow. me. Just going to town on Nausicaa. Just posting uh, chips do home address. Wow. <laughs> people do like Gundam a lot, though, as well. And Devilman was just everyone going, yeah, what the WTF? Like, <laughs> WTF, Devilman. I love the ones where all the readers are also as surprised as we are. <laughs> yeah, <that's> yes, good. yes. <laughs> I will say, I want to give David a shout out for the picking out the books that, that were stretching the boundaries of what we do like, like, <laughs> the, like the Nihei episode like yeah mm-hmm. read it read one chapter 
of everything by this one guy. Yeah. Or yeah. Raw Heroes, like, whoa, what? Yeah, I want to break everything <laughs> that's good. Is <laughs> It's great. I, I mean, like, Raw Hero and Blood Red Boy, and like, we're like, going, like it was just like one curveball after another. But yeah. they were good conversations. A raw Hero was mm. one of my favorites, for sure. Yes. <laughs> it was a dark horse pick. Like, I feel like there was no way anyone, anyone was going to be mild about Raw Hero. It's so strange. Yeah. yeah. Like you're either on or off the train. Yeah. <laughs> but even though I was predisposed to be off about it, I found something to like about it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's awesome. I appreciate that because my one idea for next season so far is doing an untranslated manga and just talking to visual storytelling. Whoa. Whoa. But we might have to talk about that offline. Yeah. Whoa. Ah. <laughs> uh. Flying without a net, man. <laughs> we'll translate on our phones, pointing at the page, trying to figure out what's going on. Sounds like a regular Monday night for me. On that note, speaking of assigning books for next year, it was mentioned a couple episodes ago. I think when I picked ping pong and I was like, I didn't pick as much manga as everybody else did in terms of page count. So I get to pick a thousand pages for my next book, which is ping pong volume one and two. I was wrong, actually. And now we have the first ever manga explaining how many pages of manga did we assign chip to read in season two rankings whoa we need to coming in acronym in, somehow in <laughs> first place uh yeah i'll we'll figure it out we'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> first place is chip zdarsky who with great great love and respect only made us read plus 26 times three only made us read 438 pages of manga, which was BL Metamorphosis 3, 4, and 5 as Chip's picks this year. Chip, you assigned yourself the least possible work, and you are first place for that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. Second place is our friends at Viz Media, who, through the Viz Blind Dates, assigned us 864 <laughs> pages of manga to read this year. Censor <laughs> and Record of Ragnarok and Deadpool Samurai. And there's more to come, season three. Thank you, Viz Media, for being Chip's second favorite, I can only assume. <laughs> Coming in in third place, it, and this is shocking to me, is David, actually. And nice. I think he just came in under the wire of the three of us because of that 16-page story Yeah, with 1,980 pages of manga. So just about, hey. just under 2,000 pages of manga. And like... David, you had some some real chonkers, some chonky boys this year with Gundam and Devilman Classic. They were all in like the same month, too. It was absurd. And, yeah, he, I think you won that month in terms of what we actually had to read in a given month. 1980, good year, though. Uh, Sandinista came out. <laughs> I will say I came in fourth with 2,140 pages, which is literally just one volume more than David recommended. And in my defense, the most I recommended at a time was Tokyo Terareba Girls, which was three volumes, and that ended up being Chip's favorite. So right. I feel I have a moral victory here of the three of us. <laughs> and coming in dead last is our good friend Deb Aoki, who assigned 2,700 plus pages Holy of manga shit. for us to read this year. Deb, congratulations. But, but you guys only read one a quarter of common rider so i don't think that counts <laughs> i read to the end of common rider frankly <laughs> i read all of the common rider so between me and i was at 1980 deb's at 2700 yeah and i'm like 22 that's not a bad spread anyway. i think 
No, that's pretty close. That's like a few classic manga tomes. I am like curious what I'm going to have to do to make up for a thousand pages. Chip, if you have any ideas about what I should recommend recommend to you. (laughs) I will still keep making fun of Chris for recommending too much manga. (laughs) I look forward to that. We need the manga explaining subplots to keep the listeners. (laughs) (laughs) One of the other podcasts that I follow, Trash Taste, actually... They've started a wiki now to like track all of the running gags and subplots and extra characters that appear and stuff like that. And it's like, I don't want that at all on any level. <laughs> I don't want, please, none of you ever do that for, for me. I, I don't stop speak speaking David French and... on the podcast, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I did do that to myself. I did do that to myself. I mean, you can actually listen to mangas play non sequentially. You know, mm, like you, we're pretty good at that. You can actually. jump in at any episode and it'll still make sense. But I think some people feel like they have to listen to it like one, two, three, four, five, you know, and that's interesting in and of itself. But I'm trying to do in the show notes when we refer back to something that I'll, refer, I'll put a link back to that relevant episode mm-hmm. so that, you know, even if you jump in at episode 51, it's totally fine. Because if we mention how much, you know, how much the crotch shot in, in Raw Hero, or I'll link back to that so you'll understand. You, why we just, we probably are doing it right now because you just mentioned the, the crotch shots in Raw Hero. So that's great. Check out the show notes for some crotch shots. Chip, what did you want to say? I would really like for uh, the beginning of season three for there to be an audio clip that's just last season among explaining and then just like a choice quote from each of us. <laughs> David can pick the, the best quote from each of us that sums up our highest nice. or lowest moments. <laughs> <laughs> just one or one per episode? Ooh. <laughs> oh, 15 minute be- intro. Oh. 15 minute intro. <laughs> last season. <laughs> I like the you know, Hitler we, we page. Need a couple of skip weeks. That could be a that's a week. <laughs> that's a whole week. <laughs> I'm going to use that twice. <laughs> oh man! But that does kind of remind me that we're kind of building our own manga canon by like virtue of how the show is structured, because mm. we're kind of shepherding manga to Chip. Our yep. frame of reference is limited to things we've told him about or shown to him, ah, and that's been really mm, fun for me because I. Like as a critic, I like hate the idea of the canon, or at least the pre- the traditional idea of canon. I feel like it super sucks. Mm. And like having like Higashimura as one of our most referred to people, or Wave Listen to Me as one of like the pillars of the manga explaining empire, I guess, is really fun. To be to be fair, too, it really is. You've brought up Bleach many times, and I don't know anything about it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you don't know what he's talking about, do you? No, no. <laughs> it's going to be great when we finally get there. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> I am going to pick up on one of the things that you said or that Chip recommended earlier, which is jumping in several volumes into a series and mm-hmm. seeing mm. if seeing if it still works. Yeah. Like giving you a sharp preface, like this is what happened in the previous volumes. Okay, now here we are in volume six. I think real volume 13 would be good for that. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah, it's it's the one about wrestling is the like uh, least spoiler way that I can describe it. Okay. But it feels like a story unto itself, even though it builds on, you know, 12 volumes of momentum. Yeah, I've been thinking about that, too. <laughs> I, I haven't. I just keep picking my favorites. <laughs> and that's manga explaining. Um, 
We're going to take a short break for a commercial break because we don't have any reason to take a break this week. So I just get to pick one. We'll be right back after these important messages. And we're back. Thanks so much for continuing to listen through what was surely a lovely commercial break. And a special shout out to DADS, our friend Ben, who recorded the music that we use for the intro and for the outro and for the interstitial. We thank him every week in the podcast notes. But, you know, every once in a while, it's nice to, to give him a call out. Uh, DADS on Spotify or other places. Check him out. I will add that DADS is two people. It's Ben and his friend Tommy. So. You're a monster. Oh, thank you, Tommy, as well. That's very Neither kind. of whom have the initials D or A in their names. <laughs> no. No. Nice little, nice little mystery no. there. <laughs> stats. That's why you're all here. You're all here for stats. In addition to the page count for this, this season of manga explaining, last year, we a thing that we tried to do more was talk about translators and what they bring to the work, I think, this season, and letterers and letter artists and what they bring to the work this season. And one of the things I really enjoyed in the first season was talking about the translators and who translated the most books that that we read. This season, I have shocking news for you. There's no number one, or there's five number ones for translators. We actually read so much more diversely, I guess, this season, that unless you count you know, Toko Teodoreva Girls as three books as opposed to one episode, or the same thing with BL Metamorphosis, we actually have a tie, a three-way tie for the series that we read this year. First winner of last season is Jocelyn Allen with two books. Co Ransom, who we actually, along with Jocelyn, had an interview with this season, did two books. Kumar Siva Subramanian had two books. He did the first three chapters of Don to Don. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, he would uh, have not come under the wire there. Isabek McFarlane, this is interesting. Isabek McFarlane was credited as the adapting writer on two books that were worked on by other translators this season. And then finally, Amanda Haley did two books this season as well, just sneaking it under the wire with Deadpool Samurai last week. So (laughs) kudos to Amanda. On the lettering front, Rena Mappa, also two books. Liz Blakesey, two books. Grace Liu, two books. Nicole Dochik, two books. Evan Hayden, two books. And Walden Wong, two books. So no clear winner we're just reading a lot of stuff by a lot of people. And the full list, we put the translators whenever we can and the letterers into the show notes on the website. Try to credit them for their work and we talk about it. But I don't spend a lot of time on Twitter, but I do really appreciate all the really nice things that letterers have said to us on Twitter this year. I feel like it maybe even inspired the Manga Machinations Machinations podcast episode where it's just a round table with like four letters that I put into the show notes a couple of weeks ago. And that's really nice. I'm glad to see letter art is how one of the first pro jobs I did in comics. So it's really exciting to see people appreciating, you know, talking about lettering more, talking about design and sound effects and manga, manga's unique take on that part of the industry more. So kudos. Thanks for, for, for talking to us about lettering and hopefully we'll do some interviews with letterers maybe for season three. I think that'd be really fun. Sounds cool. In addition to our, our translator le- interviews that will continue into season three. I got to be honest. Like, I'm surprised Jocelyn only had two. I'm surprised Jocelyn only had two as well. We, she got mentioned a lot, particularly because, well, technically she did all three volumes of BL Metamorphosis. Yeah. So if, there, if someone has to win, and knowing Jocelyn, someone does, then it's her. Mm. She, she won with BL Metamorphosis. Although 
our Tokyo Tereva girl, Stephen LaCroix, would be second place in that regard. Yeah, it was it was surprising. Like last season, she got a bump from one of the Viz books that we did. And we talked about it. I, I mentioned a couple books that she translated. So Sensor yeah. for Jocelyn, it was Sensor and BL Metamorphosis. And that is it. If you go to the season wrap up page in the, the Google Doc, you can see. But it's it would surprise me, too, that there was no clear winner because it seemed like yeah, especially with the Jocelyn-centric episode we had. <laughs> yeah. It was a very Jocelyn-heavy season. As a huge fan of Jocelyn, I was the one that picked the multiple volumes of Beale Metamorphosis. <laughs> so I'm the one that clearly likes Jocelyn more than the rest of you. You know, it's true. I'm a solid number two, but Chip is definitely number one. Wow, I just got number three shamed on my own <laughs> podcast. It's crazy. Yeah. Or wait, is it number four? And Deb is actually secretly number three. Unfortunately, <laughs> Christopher. <laughs> yeah, sorry, how... I'll work harder. I'll go drop treats on her doorknob at her apartment. She lives treats on her doorknob. <laughs> so it's easy. Really? <laughs> yeah. Reverse trick or treating. I did it a did it a couple times this year. I did it to a friend of mine named Chip Zdarsky, in mm, fact. That is true. He actually broke into my house. <laughs> I got I got a text that basically said broke that, into house. that he was he had just come into my house started to walk up my stairs and left me a bunch of like donuts and stuff and then walked out. <laughs> but, you know, something you do for your pals who don't, yeah. you know, who are unobservant and don't hide the key correctly. It's not a felony if it's for a it's true. It's true. And also I just revealed I don't lock my door on a podcast. <laughs> we'll bleep that out. All those Nazca fans are going to be really happy to hear that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Can't wait for all those Nausicaa treats. Ah. I think Chris is crying right now. Oh my God, I'm dying. Yeah. <laughs> but I, so like I work with a lot of translators and letterers and, and over the course of my day job, and I'm surprised how few I've worked with that we've covered th- this season, aside from the yeah. ones that was literally the book that I worked on. Yeah. So that's kind of cool that there's that kind of diversity and like the localization sphere, I guess. There are so many translators and letterers of like such quality, high quality that yeah. I can't know everything. I got to give a shout out to one of your favorites, Jenny McKeon, who had two books as well. Mm. They translated City and Blank Canvas, which we read. Oh, which yeah. was with Isabel McFarlane. Yeah. City translator, Jenny McKeon, you are David's favorite, <laughs> even if you've never met. Speaking of which, speaking of books, I last season we wrapped up by talking about every book in order and the episode went an hour and a half. We're already at like 50 minutes here, 45 minutes here. So I thought maybe we would just wrap up talking about the books that we covered by grouping some of the books together uh, in big groups. And we can just sort of pick out things that we wanted to say about each of them. Mm -hmm. So for the first group, we have love and sex. And in the love and sex group, we have six titles that we covered this season, ranging from the delightful and charming and Touching the Blood Red Boy by Minami Kyuta, Tokyo Tarareba Girls by Kikuhiga Shimura, Our Dining Table by Mito Ori, Wotakoi by Fujita, Raw Hero by, I cannot remember that person's name, Akira or something. <laughs> David, any help? <laughs> <laughs> and I was doing that from memory. And Blood on the Tracks by Shimi. Blood on the Tracks and Raw Hero, maybe weird picks for love and sex, but also not necessarily yeah. wrong in my opinion. What did y'all think about our love and sex picks this year? It reminds me I need to give you guys more shoujo manga. <laughs> I think Deb has a point. <laughs> yeah. We're good at like writing the extremes of either, you know, we're either like really high or really low and no mid really. 
So there's, I, you know what? I, maybe our dining table was the most mid, like didn't go too extreme in any direction kind of a romance love sex book this year mm. we don't even know that they had sex on <laughs> like, but in a way it a, was mid because they didn't have sex well that's that's what i put into the show notes this week there's a scene where they start kissing and then it fades to white and then he's getting up and returning from the washroom and it's like we missed that we didn't talk about that on air i was convinced they had sex after tane or after tane uh, <laughs> fell asleep <laughs> i was convinced that they had sex but you guys were all like it didn't happen it didn't happen I'm curious. J- jump into the show notes for our dining table and let us know what you thought of that one. We could run a poll on. Actually, never mind. That joke is too dirty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll run oh, a poll. We'll get, we'll get into that next season. <laughs> run that up the poll. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, David, oh my. I'm stunned that a raw hero and our dining table could be in any category ever together. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. I, I think that they're more alike than not alike. It's really about an older brother doing what it takes to raise his younger brother in a cruel <laughs> and uncaring world. It's just the lengths that they will. And they both decide that they're up for getting, you know, groped by dudes. I think that that's true of wow. both titles. Yeah. One seems to be more into it than the other, but it happens. These are the same books Touché. from very different perspectives. All right. I, 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 re- I rescind my comment. <laughs> In, oh in that God. in that category, obviously for me, Tokyo Terrorava Girls is the dearest to my heart. Probably, mm. I, I love think it. That's definitely the best. Yeah, like the one I enjoyed the most. Yeah, Deb, how about you? I was actually surprised how much uh, people just were so lukewarm on Watakoi. Mm. because that's one of those yeah. manga that everyone's was like, ah, oh, they recommend it to friends and they really enjoy it, but this group was. Very like, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might come down to nerd circles. Uh, I just read, I think it was Joanna Draper Carlson just posted a review of, or was, maybe it was, it was her or somebody else just talking about Wotokoi. And she really loves it because it's about, I just read this too. So if, I, if it's not Joanna, I apologize, whoever it was. It's about fanish circles. It's about people who all their friends and their social groups, their sort of close-knit, tightly-knit social groups, are in a fan space. We think of it as a fan space. It would be an otaku space, because that's the title of the book. It really resonates for people who are like D&D clicks, or who are, you know, even romance novels, like anything that you want to get nerdy about. That it, there's a resonance there where people, you feel like people outside of your click won't understand what your deal is, and why you are so into this, and why it defines such a big part of your life. And if you're outside of that, I think it doesn't resonate the same way, maybe. I don't know. It also, I think you're, you're, the comments I got from all of you, it was kind of similar to what happened with Yotsuba, right? Where you realize, oh, the, the first volume is not as good as, as the ones following it, right? But your love for it mm. grew because you read the, the, the subsequent volumes. So, you know, again, it's, another, it's that classic manga explaining lesson, right? It's like if you recommend a manga to someone who hasn't read much manga before, is that first volume going to click for them? Yeah. Is that good enough to click for them? Or, are you, or do you have to give the disclaimer of, you know, the on-ramp, you have to read up to blank volume and then you'll get it. If you've read up to volume two, volume three, whatever, and you still don't like it, I respect your decision to never read another one. <laughs> you know? I would love <laughs> if American comics or North American comics, I guess, got as much of a like 
runway as Japanese comics do. Mm. Yeah. Where you get like 500 pages of, you know, brand new superhero before they're assigned to the dustbin. <laughs> it's interesting. That was one of the things that Chip said on the first season that most resonated with me is like the enormous runway of the books that we were reading. And I've made him actually already recapitulate that idea on a separate episode, but it's the wrap up chip. I, I would love to hear you talk more about that because you're actually in the midst of launching a new comic where you kind of have it's digital. It's, it's through your, your, your newsletter. So you kind of have unlimited runway if that's what you want, right? How do you still think that way? Do you still think you wish you had more runway? Do you still have to get to the, the point <laughs> such as it is of telling the story? I'm really curious what you think. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's funny, even though I'm kind of doing it digitally with an eye for like publishing, uh, I'm still trapped in the 20 page segments. Like I can't quite get my head out of that because I know I'm going to be putting into the North American Mm. mainstream comics market and I don't have any assistance, (laughs) which I would, uh, I would love. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with with that with that project, like I've I've definitely picked up a lot from from this podcast in terms of the subject matter and uh, types of stories I want to tell. But format, I'm still kind of stuck in the the, the North American mainstream English market. It's interesting. This is segues into a sort of a subgroup. This year, we actually read a number of books that were digital only and i don't mean digital only like first season where the print versions were just out of print but you couldn't buy dan to dan or look back or blood red boy physically when we read them and spy x family had had like started coming out but was digital first for most people through the shonen jump app and it was such a different i can speak from personal experience except for look back and blood red boy which had beginnings middles and ends like those 16 pages or you know 140 pages of, of story dan to dan and spikes family i actually read much more than was assigned because the material was out there and if you're reading a chapter online i never I, I didn't read to the end of where we were supposed to read i read until i was done reading you know what i mean i read till i got to a natural resting point in the serialization that's a really different way of reading comics than how i grew up reading comics digital comics really have changed the way i look at this whole thing this whole thing david you said digital comics ruined you completely earlier on this podcast yeah Yeah, i the surprise you're feeling is a feeling that i don't think i've ever had with digital books because like i kind of took took to them like a duck to water maybe Mm -hmm. because most of my experience as a kid was reading the same you know however many comic books i had like two dozen comics over and over and over again like you make mm-hmm. a stack and then you make a different stack of, you know, the red books. So when I'm reading <laughs> digital books, it's sort of the same experience. Like Marvel Unlimited, for instance, is exactly how I used to read books where it's like, what is a cool cover? All right, let's see what's on the inside. And then you just go for it. Mm-hmm. So for manga, especially serialized manga, or even, you know, serialized as graphic novels, it feels very natural to me to just like sit and read. Like the volume, the volume markers are almost more a way for me to pace myself and not read it a thousand pages in one sitting Mm. more so than being anything important to the storytelling. That's fascinating. Yeah. Can I, can I also point out before we move on from this, that thanks to the manga splaining bump, Dan to Dan and look back are getting print editions. (laughs) It's true. So, so good job, everyone. We did it guys. (laughs) (laughs) 
amazing. <gasps> what what magic can we do next? <laughs> <laughs> Student loan forgiveness, maybe. We'll work on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I had a good joke, but I can't think of the title of the book. So here, do you do you want to leave this in, or do you want to edit in my joke? I can edit uh, in your joke. <laughs> Great. Too, so. <laughs> or you could do both. You could put it in the outtakes at the end. Yeah, manga explaining is so influential, actually, that I hear that they're going to bring oh, I can't find the book. Uh the horrible zombie one that you made us read. The horrible zombie one that uh, I made Frank you? and Fran. Oh. I hear they're gonna make Frank Frank and Fran back <laughs> for us. Congratulations. Are you kidding? Really? No. <laughs> that wasn't horrible. I like Frankenfrey oh, yeah, better than like yeah, Nausicaa. Yeah, so she's not a horrible. zombie. Yeah, yeah come on. You did. That's a total <laughs> misreading of the work. I feel like I'm watching the comments tick up on Nausicaa in real time every time you say something. <laughs> no, sorry. That was not worth that joke. Uh, set up. I apologize. I'll leave the apology in too. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> it was not worth it. Sorry, y'all had to listen to that. Next segment, art about art. We read a lot of art about art this year. We read a lot of art about art this year. Chip's big pick, which was going back to BL Metamorphosis for three, four, and five, because he wanted to see how the story ended. And then Blue Period, Look Back, Blank Canvas. And I think I got City in here. I don't know if that should go there. Probably not. How would you justify that? Yeah. It's got the segment. It's got a the recurring segment about the manga gag artist. Yeah. Okay. And also the artist, who the girl who draws... Wait, that's not the one where she draws the, the oh, BL uh, comics. Oh, that's Nichijo. Nichijo, okay. That's Nichijo. Yeah, yeah. She, so but it's the, the manga it. gag artist <laughs> and the city office, the newspaper with the gag strip, and how oh. it's like a self-reflective commentary. There's so much self-reflective commentary in City about the act of making comics and making jokes as well. Mm-hmm. That it's like the more I've thought about it, the more I'm like, yeah, that is David's perfect book. Actually, it's someone <laughs> talking about making the comics he loves and someone talking about making the jokes that he loves while he makes the comics he loves and makes the jokes he loves. It was very, it was very David. I mean, what's a Koi too had the manga artist. Oh yeah, I guess so. Manga, yeah. What's a Koi as well. Getting ready for comic cat maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Mm. I, I was surprised when you all mentioned that like art about art was a motif this season. Cause I, it's not that I didn't notice it. I just didn't think about it because the mm. stories were so much about other things to me. Uh, yeah. like art is an aspect but it was more about like you know the blue period is about him finding his place finding the things that he's good mm-hmm. at and that kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah. and i was gonna ask i think the only art book i picked was blank canvas hmm. which i picked to spite chris <laughs> <laughs> we had some of that this season too the, the spite pits. yeah <laughs> we definitely did a lot of teasing this season i'll try to be better in season three <laughs> Uh, yeah, actually, we each picked an art book. We actually that whole ca- category, with the with the exception of City, is we each have one in there, nice. which I think is really interesting. I think ping. Well, I think there's more books coming. Maybe in my, I was going to say ping pong, but it's like, it's it's ping pong is just a metaphor for life and whatever. It's not as explicit <laughs> as it is, and even less so than or even more so than Blue Period. But yeah, there's stuff to come. There's stuff to come. Nausicaa is an art book about making art. Obviously, no, I'm, just, mm-hmm. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> bait chip now <laughs> and then we did we did a lot of talking about Tsutomu Nihei's technique and art too so we yeah we really did with the Apple Sims that was the episode where yeah like like I think Deb said David made us read his whole career's <laughs> worth of stuff which I thought was pretty fun 
But I actually found that really, I actually did think that was fun and I found mm. it really inspiring. It's why I picked Drunken Dream by Multahagio that we, that we covered because it was another, it was the first book that we'd done on the podcast where it was an anthology of a single creator short stories. And David had sort of created his own digital anthology as <laughs> via a series <laughs> of links of this creator's work uh, with, with Nihei. And I thought that that was really fun, but yeah. yeah did you, have you reflected at all? I know, I know I think a lot about city. I think yeah. a lot about a couple of other titles you guys have chosen since the beginning of the season. I actually go back to wave listening to me a lot in my head for various reasons and blood red boy. I made, I'm, I'm still trying to get Andrew to read, but he's so busy with work right now. He can't, but is there anything from the season so far that you've gone back to the, that sort of resonates that you keep thinking about? Um, I think that, other than the series I was reading already, like Vinland Saga and City. Well, City's ending soon, Vinland Saga 12 came out after we recorded. For the most part, no, I kind of kept it moving forward. But that's because of the podcast aspect of like having a schedule of books to read. Mm. So I realized that manga explaining kind of took the place of me just buying random manga on a Tuesday and reading it on a Saturday. Mm. <laughs> Got it. It's interesting because I think Chip and I mostly are reading the manga that's assigned on manga explaining assigned that we get to discuss together in a mm. fun way on manga explaining. But I think you and Deb, I really get the feeling that you're just voraciously devouring manga every given moment that we don't see you on our screens. <laughs> it's it it's a it's a stress release. <laughs> <laughs> the trashy manga just does it for me. <laughs> <laughs> we joke about Deb having a lot of manga. I've got the same on my iPad. Like I've got like a bookwalker.jp yeah. account, so I just get random Japanese stuff when it comes up. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. That's been Which fun. Great. I've been doing that too. Mm -hmm. uh, look, honestly, Deb and I have talked so much about books that we want to license for the manga explaining this, the newsletter that we're doing, the publishing effort, that it's just, I think we've sent each other, I've read it so much work that's never going to get translated or <laughs> talked about on air. Just keep sending each other links to bookwalker, <laughs> things yeah. like, Oh, have you seen this biography? That's never going to happen. Have you seen this biography? Have you seen this awesome biography, which is about a guy doing Shonen Jump manga in the 1980s and it getting canceled mid uh, serialization? People should read that one. That <laughs> one sounds cool. Canceled. When all the <laughs> yeah, good right? stuff was coming out. That's harsh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, yeah, there's there's not enough hours in the day. There's not enough books to publish. It's all pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's that's a really interesting part of the dynamic here is that. I feel like yours and Deb's picks, especially versus mine, have been more contemporary. A lot of the stuff that I pick is stuff that I've always loved or is by authors that I love and I kind of want to see that they're doing next. Whereas you guys are just reading so much that your picks come completely out of left field. Like I hadn't read any of the Starfruit stuff when you picked Blood Red Boy, for example. And now that I've got Azuki, since actually that, I went back and read City Pop. Is that the other oh, one? Pop other Life. Book by that creator? Pop Life, sorry. And I read those two volumes. And I loved it loved those two volumes slice of life fiction about a middle-aged lady like just raising her kids until they're old enough to leave home and then deciding what she actually wants to do with her life oh my god there should be more comics like that like i've never read that comic before ever and that's great and it's about a middle-aged lady so i feel like chip would really like it yeah no i, I would city pop might be a great <laughs> <laughs> I think city pop might be a great genre of music to listen to while reading those kind of books too. hundred percent. Yeah. City pop yeah. versus pop life. My bad. I'll put that in the show notes and we'll explain what city pop is or we'll just link the wiki. Maybe we'll see, see how I'm feeling that day. Yeah. On that front, we, you just mentioned uh, at Vinland saga Ad adventure is my next group. And we have a lot of books that are 
broadly categorized as seinen manga. Because we're actually pitching a book to a seinen target audience, which is Chip. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. You are the seinen. I mean, you're kind of more salaryman manga than seinen manga these days. I'd so, say, but, yeah. <laughs> that's okay. But yes, seinen manga. This year we read Vinland Saga Volume 1, Golden Kamui Volume 1, Akira Volume 3, Apposims, An Invitation from a Crab, and eh, some other stuff that kind of generally fits Spike's family and stuff like that that generally fits in that category. But you look at that and it's like, even if you, other than Invitation from a Crab, which is like a real outlier, <laughs> you look at that and it's it's like an all-star, like five-star group of books. Like these are the books that people hold up and say, this is the book you should read when they're talking about. It's the best manly manga you're going to find on the shelf today. And pe- people responded in kind. But I think one thing that we, we discovered was don't read Golden Kamui immediately after Vinland Saga. <laughs> like, yeah. Space it out. Like, oh, Space you know, out. like maybe maybe Chip would have loved Golden Kamui if he read it first, you know, or or had some space between it. <laughs> I don't know. I think, he, I think he would have. But if Chip, if we had done that, we wouldn't have gotten Chip's more honest reaction to it. We might have gotten David's, <laughs> which is still great. <laughs> but I think that that's really... I actually liked that. It bummed me out a little bit, but not as much not as much as Nausicaa, honestly. You guys not liking Nausicaa. But it was more like, wow, you really I would never think to compare these two books. They feel a hundred percent different, but of course they're the same book. Like of they're just the Shogakukan version and the Kodansha version, you know what I mean? And they have different editorial styles and different ways of making comics com- from each other. But I had never thought to compare. So I'm kind of glad we did compare them that way. Mm. I'm glad you guys came to it with that kind of mindset. But I also think Golden Kamui in particular suffered from volume one problem, where if it, we had read like a couple of volumes or even up to three, the story just changes so much and it gets so, so goddamn funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it's think it would have been a different situation. Finally, we have our last group of books, which is per- per- perhaps our most contentious group of books. <laughs> and it is classic manga. Mm-hmm. Classic manga. We started at the season with Phoenix, either future... <laughs> or Dawn, depending on who you are. And yeah. uh, that was fun for me. That was, a, that was a weird, weird, like we almost, I almost was like, we got to delay this episode a week and go back and all read both books together. And it's, no, we we, no. Pre- we soldiered on. That's exactly the kind of fun we're having on Manga Splain. I think that's what set the tone for the vicious bullying that is the fun piece <laughs> of Manga Splain. <laughs> it's true. I do, I do want to say, actually, we got a comment when we were talking about it on on Twitter, I think, on the Explaining Twitter, about one of the books that's referenced in Phoenix, which is Shin Rakajima uh, ta- and New Treasure uh, Island. Takarajima. Uh, Takarajima, sorry. Shin Takarajima by Osamu Tezuka. And I, I think that was me who credited it to Osamu Tezuka. And it's not by Osamu Tezuka. It is by Shichima Sakai and Osamu Tezuka. And Sakai was Tezuka's senpai. And so one of the, the neat things, the reader feedback things we got, and I was going to edited into the show notes i think i maybe even did in an oblique way but i wanted to mention it here so that it gets it really gets its due is matt alt who is one of the great writers about japanese culture and about manga in particular popped in on twitter and was like hey new treasure island is amazing and transformative but we have to not forget that it was based on shichima sakai's script in addition to tezuka adapting that script into comics his contribution often gets glossed over and then Ryan Holmberg, who is one of the other great English language writers about manga, jumped in and said, I'm actually pretty sure that Sakai did the basic storyboards for that story, 
like the rough layout, the Genga, the, the, the Nemu, sorry, and that Tezuka worked over that. And he linked to a couple of articles he wrote about the creation of New Treasure Island, this like formative post-war manga that defined the industry for decades to come, up until the present day in a lot of ways. And so they linked two essays that I had read when they came out. And I was like, oh, right. Those are very good essays about the origins of Suzuka's manga in, in English. Matt also mentions that the rift between the two creators is discussed in chapter two of his new book, Pure Invention, which consider that my shout out for this week. It's a great book. You should go read it. <laughs> Pure Invention by Matt Alt. Get it wherever there are books. Yeah. So I'm going to link those two articles by Ryan in the comments. It's an interesting thing. I, I should. The basics are Suzuka and Sakai had a lot of Disney comics lying around. And Disney comics, particularly work like the Phantom Blot, the Mickey Mouse story, and the Carl Barks, Donald Duck stuff, really influenced New Treasure Island and the earliest manga. And so there's a very direct, traceable influence between Disney animation, Disney comics, and the origins of manga and the industry that we have today. And it's something that doesn't get discussed a lot in Japan. It's not something that we've got done here. And it's I found it particularly fascinating because we are obviously looking at manga and anime from a Western perspective with the star of the show, the, the centerpiece of the show, if you will, being a Western comics creator trying to learn about manga, not realizing it tracks back to his own traditions. What? So I wanted to call that out here as being a really interesting thing. That voice that Christopher just did, his own traditions, is the welcome to the world of tomorrow from Futurama <laughs> guy. <laughs> I was reading about Futurama just before this episode. I don't think I consciously did that, but that's great. I love it. <laughs> So yeah, all of that said, classic manga. We read Gundam the Origin, a David pick. Nausicaa, my pick. Common Rider, which was a Deb pick. Devilman Classic Collection by Gonagai, which was a David pick. And A Drunken Dream and Other Stories by Motohagio, which was a me pick. Not to mention Phoenix. And oh, and sorry, and then Phoenix, obviously, uh, as well, that we, <laughs> Phoenix's that we did. We didn't read any classic manga on season one. And Chip, you got to read stuff from like the 1960s, 70s, 80s, even classic manga from the 90s this season. Did you like any of it? Like, actually like any of it? Uh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> Please explain. That's fair. I mean, uh, there, there were things in all of them that I liked. Again, I'll mention the Hitler page from Devil Man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, I, I, think, I think there's just... There's too much distance between me and the way I consume comics now and when those comics were created for me to to really really get into them. It's kind of it's a little bit like frankly like like early Marvel stuff. I can I can look at it and be like, "Oh yeah, no, these are exciting cool comics." But I I I'm I'm not reading or rereading them at this point in my life. Mm. Yep. Right, right. I was on a library podcast and they asked me to talk about it, you know, like about history of manga. And I was basically mm. saying, well, it's not, it came from a different place. It's going to, the art's going to look dated. Some of the attitudes about women, about people who aren't Japanese and all kinds of stuff are going to seem really awkward to read. It's kind of like liking rock and roll, but never appreciating the blues. Mm. And mm. it's okay to not like the blues. It's okay not to like jazz, but you know, it's nice that that stuff's available because then you can appreciate, you can li you can check out both and see the connections. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's not for everybody. I mean, I'm nerdy that way. I enjoy that. I like both. <laughs> Same. 
I'm so nerdy, I demanded more of the books, more nerdy information, more, more, more. <laughs> so, yeah, that's fair. I was kind of like, like when we first had the idea of like giving classic manga to Chip, I kind of thought like, oh, it's like natto, you know? It's like that, it's like <laughs> that gross fermented bean thing that they serve in Japan for breakfast, like these fermented soybeans, and you, you're supposed to stir it up because it, it gets like this weird, stringy, gooey texture that apparently some people love no thank you <laughs> but i not i'm i despite being japanese american i'm not a fan <laughs> so it's kind of like oh yeah so i thought oh it's like natto <laughs> mm-hmm. the big thing i think for me was and I, I talked about it during the common rider episode which was looking at the early marvel books like the lee kirby ditko stuff in like 20 something pages, there was so much happening in the full story. Whereas with almost all of these, it's like, it, it, it all just felt like it took too long. It was too repetitive. Even if there were fun ideas, the fun ideas were just kind of spread out a bit too much to kind of justify the amount of time it takes to read it. Whereas with like uh, Fantastic Four 39 or whatever, just like, oh yeah, five minutes. And I've read this like full complete story with all these great ideas and some cool illustrations. But I just don't have that kind of feeling with like Devil Man or Common Rider because it just takes too long. And a lot of it just kind of looks too awkward. And there's, there's not enough kind of ideas mm-hmm. at play there. Mm. The kind of flying by the seat of their pants thing with Devil Man and Common Rider was really apparent. Yeah. Like it was like mm-hmm. it was kind of like the you know the twenty minute John Bonham drum solo in the middle of the Led Zeppelin concert while you know Robert <laughs> Plant changes his shirt. You know what I mean? It's just no. You're we're 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 gonna have to do like uh we're gonna have to do like a classic rock explaining or something because I don't get any of that what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Chip! I'm not that much older than you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just really cool. <laughs> <laughs> too cool for Led Zeppelin. <laughs> Chip Zdarsky. I'm, I'm, I'm doing that as a pull quote in the sentence this episode. I think it's interesting because one of the things that didn't come up in the podcast, and I, I didn't really put it together until just now, and when you were talking about it again, is why American comics don't generally succeed in Japan. Mm-hmm. And it's because they're too compressed. There's too much going on. There's They don't breathe the same way. And it's the same way on that episode that we talked about European comics. We talked mm. about in the Nausicaa episode how everything was so compressed, so many panels per page. You don't know, you can't follow things, and it's like, where is your eye supposed to go? And you can't rest, and all the backgrounds are drawn. And it's like, that's what a lot of Japanese readers, and this is coming from my friend Aki Yanagi, who, who's worked in American comics in Japan. And yeah, a lot of Japanese readers say that they just don't flow or breathe the right way, mm. that they are too compressed to be enjoyable. And obviously, there's like a small, passionate group of people. It's probably about the same size as the people here who like European comics, who love American comics in Japan. You know what I mean? And when something is big enough, but I think we saw that in Deadpool Samurai too, just like how the storytelling changes between that and an average six panels, five panels a page on a Deadpool comic. So a lot of splashes in that one. A lot of good Instagram fodder in that book. It was quite nice, actually, (laughs) for running the Instagram. To wrap up this this part of the episode, got to give a nice shout out to the people who were kind enough to share their time with us professionals in the manga industry to be interviewed this 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 season we did a bunch of interviews this season we i think we only did one in the first season yeah jocelyn allen ben applegate emma rios 
and co-ransom, we did sort of feature length interviews with all of them for season two. They all took time out of the busy schedules. Oh, don't forget Ed Chavez. Yeah. Ed Chavez from Denpa Publishing as well. Thank you. Whoops. Nick Dragota. Oh my God. I forgot Nick too. Was that season one? Uh, no, this wasn't that part of your, after your. That was the Applesim. Wow. Yeah. It has been a very long pandemic. All right. <laughs> it's been a very yeah, long pandemic. That was back pandemic. in uh, mm-hmm. November. Jeez. Oh my. We're already planning interviews for season two as well. Thank you to the people that are, or season three, sorry. So thank you to the people that are coming up that are, that have already agreed to do that. And speaking of season three, I guess that's, that's starting soon. We have to figure out our exact schedule. We're still kind of working on it right now, but I thought maybe I would talk a little bit. I would ask you guys, what are you thinking about? I know David, you mentioned one thing already, but what are you guys thinking about for season three? What kind of books, what kind of direction you want to take it in? And then we'll get to Chip and see what he wants, because that's less important than what we want to do. <laughs> Deb, do you want to go first? Well, I mean, I think I've mentioned this a couple of times. Like, for, it's the gap I feel is a shoujo manga. <laughs> I mean, we're addressing another gap, which is smutty boys love manga. And yeah, we are going straight from if if our dining table is a two, like on the on the chili pepper scale, <laughs> we're going to twelve. <laughs> yeah it's, like this is the, it's gonna be such spicy ramen they, they take polaroids of you at the restaurant and say i ate this like it is a badge <laughs> of honor spicy flipped open a copy of birds of shangri-la at my friend's house the other day in the first panel i was like oh my god i actually <laughs> said it out loud so i that's we're gonna mark that episode explicitly i am gonna be so bored with it that's my prediction and even if I'm not bored with it, I'm going <laughs> to pretend to be bored with it. I don't have any hopes or dreams for the next season. I'm just going to keep <laughs> doing it and hope for the best. <laughs> I will try to actually give shout outs to things other than manga because now I'm deeply embarrassed by the fact that everyone else is, seems, to have, <laughs> no, a, you seems to have a much more varied media diet than I do. <laughs> I mean, it's mostly crime, com- crime movies and Danny McBride TV shows. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for yeah. me, it's just Animal Crossing and Valheim. So, yeah, it's the occasional thing that Andrew is also watching. Yeah. I I think for season three, the biggest disconnect, I just had the biggest disconnect when I was sitting down and writing the prep for this episode. And, like, what we actually covered in terms of, like, episode titles this season, like, books that we read for the podcast, is so far apart from books that I covered in the show notes that Deb and I would go in depth on in the show notes. Like, we talked about Tatsumi at length. We talk about all the shout outs that we do all like last week on the, our dining table, we did one BL manga, but we also referenced or recommended like 11 other BL titles in the show notes for that episode. So I have this idea. I think if you read manga explaining and listen to manga explaining, you have a different idea of the podcast in your head than just listening or even just being on it, which I think is kind of crazy. I kind of wanted to bring those two in line a little bit more. I know we've talked a little bit about, I've I've written a lot about uh, Shigeru Mizuki, for example, Gegege no Kitaro, and Onwards Towards Our Noble Death, his war comic, uh, both available from Drawn and Quarterly, as well as a few other art books, like art, sorry, art comics, few things. And we've talked a lot about gay manga, and we had a really good Jiraiya image, not the Naruto guy, but the artist, uh, one week that it was like, oh man, we got to cover that. And Fanographics just put up on in their Insta that Massive is finally back in print in the third printing. So I'm very excited about that. So yeah, I want to really like i want to try and think ahead as opposed to 
the week or two weeks after we do the episode and I'm like, oh, right, I should have mentioned such and such. That's such a good book. That would have been great. We should pick that book rather than forgetting that it exists. So I think maybe I'm going to try and do a little bit more homework this season. We'll see how that goes. There's a whole episode of Seinfeld about this. Oh, how's that? Oh, they're like coming up with the perfect retort days later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have that. I have that problem. I have that problem. I was thinking like I want to I want to address like two or three creators that I think we should do in the next season that we often talk about. Mm. One is, like I said, Shigeru Mizuki, Takehiko Inoue, and Naoki Urasawa. Mm. I would love to somehow bring that into the mix as well as some, mm, I don't know. I mean, I, th- I thought it was really good that we, we took a, a book like Naruto, which is, which is so, I don't know, popular and like we kind of take it for granted. I thought that was an interesting conversation to have. Mm. I've been like also wary of recommending books that are out of print too. So that's a factor. Yeah. That's been the hardest thing this season is I've, I've read so much digital. I actually read almost everything from season one in physical comics, except for, I think, except for uh, uh, 7 billion needles Mm. was the only one I I couldn't find physically because it was Mm. so out of print. But this season I read almost everything digitally except for the classic manga. So I thought that that was a big change. I do want to ask Chip now. Chip, is there anything you're looking forward to season three? Anything you want us to recommend? Well, I mean, I think Deb is um, filling the void, so to speak, with the smut. So that'll be nice. <laughs> I, I, I would love for everything in season three to be available digitally because I'm currently living on an island in British Columbia to escape the Nausicaa fans who are hunting me down. <laughs> so just that. Other than that, like, I mean, uh, season two is like, besides, I think, the classic manga, which didn't quite hit, almost everything kind of worked for me. You're, you're all doing a great job. And maybe one day I will finally learn to love manga. <laughs> but we're not there yet, eh? <laughs> I guess that's good to know that we still have work to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want the podcast to be over. <laughs> <laughs> me either. <laughs> vested interest we have done an episode of manga planning i feel unless anyone has any strong objections final thoughts folks the show's okay wouldn't read volume two. <laughs> wow <laughs> wow Ouch. oh i know the other thing i want to bring in other than ping pong i want to bring in more sports manga that's my other oh man thing. i think david you hit the nail on the head with real i think that would be such an awesome one to do I want to bring in more sponsors so that <laughs> my bill, my insane bills for buying manga every week uh, go down. That would be awesome. <laughs> please, please send us digital copies. All of our friends at in manga publishing. Thank you. Full stop. You know, shoplifting is free. <laughs> I would also like to find out what the guff bleach is. Uh, we can do that. We will have to do that because I'll tell you, uh, maybe you can, man, then maybe we can answer the question. Why is it called bleach? There's no answer to that. <laughs> it has nothing to do with what the story is about. Nothing. It looks cool when you draw the logo. That's why. Yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> I actually honestly always thought it was he bleached his hair because Ichigo's got sort of like strawberry blonde hair, right? But Chip is just increasing. Before we talk about bleach, you should write down what you think it's about. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Oh, that would be good. Google Ichigo. Yeah. yeah. And then guess. 
All right. This has been an episode of Manga Explaining. I'd like to thank you all for listening to not only this episode, but all of season two. We will be back in an indeterminate amount of time <laughs> with season three. Sign up for, I don't know, subscribe to us on all of your favorite platforms. We're literally on all of them, I think. Or go to mongsplaining.com to see uh, what we're doing, what our upcoming schedule is. And there's, there's going to be some other stuff coming that we haven't announced yet. But season three will officially, officially kick off with Ajin Demi Human, volume one and maybe two by Gammon Sakurai and Sweena Mira. We're looking forward to seeing you back for it. Thanks, everybody. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.